This edition of the Cheercast is proud to promote Dean Cheer. Founded in 1920, Dean is cheerleading apparel meets made in Oregon. Do you like American-made products? How about the most satisfied customers in the industry? Dean's high-quality apparel and superior customer service make them a must-visit when shopping for all your camp, sideline, and competition gear needs. Check them out online at Dean Cheer. That's D-E-H-E-N Cheer.com. The Oregon Cheerleading Coaches Association presents the Cheercast with Coach James Underwood, taking you inside everything cheer. Powered by DN Cheer and broadcasting from inside the media room at Thurston High School. Here is your host, James Underwood. Have you ever seen that old Bruce Willis movie, The Sixth Sense? Right now, I feel like I might be starring in a reboot of that movie. (laughs) Honestly, I might be dead, and I just don't know it yet. (laughs) That's about how I feel. What a whirlwind the last three weeks have been. Is it crazy to think that State 2019 was 18 days ago? Holy cow. You know, I like to think that in all of the things that have happened over the last three weeks that I am the real victim here. Honestly, I had this amazing post-state recap planned for February 12th, followed by a post-nationals recap on February 26th. And then what happens? A snowstorm, wait, make that two snowstorms later, uh, rescheduled state championships, then the craziest five flights home from nationals and finally here we are oh wait wait wait. did i mention the roof is falling off at thurston high school (laughs) no no joke i'm not not making that up Uh, if you haven't seen it yet on social media just get on the google machine and search thurston gymnasium and you will see what i mean literally our the roof is falling off at thurston high school so um i went to go record this um a couple days ago and then i realized that all my recording equipment was in uh the sound room at thurston high school so i wasn't able to access it because currently our school is collapsing underneath the snow so but nevertheless finally was able to get my sound equipment and here we are you know maybe maybe i'm not bruce willis in the sixth sense Maybe I'm actually a third character in Dumb and Dumber. You know, our pets' heads are falling off. That's about how I feel right now. Um, Either way, I'm here, and I have at least half a show for you. I'll explain that in a second. By the way, I am Coach James Underwood, and wherever and however you may be accessing the Cheercast, thanks for making us part of your day. I thought I would try something different since I have so much to talk about and catch up on. Wow, a lot has happened over the last 18 days. Um, I was thinking that today I would cover the 1 through 5A divisions, and then later this week I could cover the 6A small co-ed and large co-ed divisions. Trust me, I've got a bunch to say about all of those. My fear is if I try to do all of those in one episode, I'm going to run long, and that's usually when I get myself in trouble. So I actually think this is going to be a blessing in disguise. I'm going to get right into the show. I do have some news and notes that i got to talk about, but um, I have so much that I want to talk about that I'm going to do some quick news and notes and then get into our post-state slash post-nationals rundown. From Portland to Medford, Ontario to Coos Bay, and everywhere in between, it's time for news and notes from around the state.
So the first thing I have to bring up, and it's something that I think a lot of you have already noticed, but some may not have. Certainly it's traveled, the word has traveled very quickly on social media. And that is that USA Nationals and OSAA State have been scheduled for the same weekend next year. Seriously, I know. You know, after being down there this year and being a part of Team Oregon, I was so looking forward to seeing our state represent in 2020. But unfortunately, it's just something that probably can't be fixed. You know, both the OSAA and Varsity Spirit, you know, they usually set these dates pretty well in advance. So it's not really something that they can just change on a whim. Certainly once they you're within a year of an event, a lot of times they don't really have that opportunity to make changes, you know. In the case of USA, um, it all the the crux of the problem is is the California law that basically says that cheer has to be completed by March 1st. Um, that's the whole reason why in the last couple of years, if you remember that USA Nationals used to be closer to spring break, oftentimes either on the beginning of spring break for us or towards the end of spring break. Um, but it got moved to February. You know, USA has said uh, that they would like to have it as close to the end of February as possible, but unfortunately there's a slight glitch in the matrix, and so for 2020, um, the weekend happens to coincide with OSAA State. And really what it comes down to in this case is it's the one weekend they were able to procure the Anaheim Convention Center, which is really where they have it every year. It's the best facility for them to be able to do it at. So uh, now some people have asked, what are the chances of the OSAA moving state? We know that USA with an event like that, they're not moving it for the state of Oregon. I mean, sorry to tell us all, right, but Oregon is – a good part of USA Nationals, but it is by no means their big clientele. So they're not moving USA Nationals on behalf of the state of Oregon, um, unfortunately. So then people start asking, what's the chance of the OSAA moving, right? Maybe, probably not. I mean, Coach Christine from Lake Ridge, Sarah Devereaux, our association president, uh, and myself were working on an appeal to the OSAA, but like I said, once you're within a calendar year of an event, it is really hard uh, for them to make those types of changes. Now, I'll never say never again, especially after the OSAA sent me a message saying they would never uh, and were not going to uh, consider moving state, and then they did. Right. Uh, I mean, if that wasn't the proverbial egg in my face, right, as they tell me that and then I get it out on the cheer cast and all over social media and then they end up moving state. Right now, in my defense, I will say this. That's what the OSAA said. And in their defense, they had never moved an event like that. Right. I mean, they literally did say Michelle Obama's event was scheduled after us and we were asked to move it and we said no. And that wasn't going to make them move their event, but they made the right decision. Michelle Obama's event ended up, you know, they ended up rescheduling. They ended up not even happening that weekend. I mean, you can do the math at $200 a seat multiplied by, what, 19,000, 20,000 seats at the Moda Center um, right next door. The fact that that event got rescheduled, right, I think we can all agree that the OSAA made a good decision, a hard decision, but they, they had to do it. Um, and certainly it's, it's a, it was a very unique situation. It made for an interesting state, which we'll talk about later to see if that had any major impact as far as how teams placed. But getting back to uh, the scheduling conflict with the OSAA and USA Nationals for 2020, 
the chances are really slim that the OSAA is going to move it. Now, we're working on them. And like I said, I'm, I'm never going to say never again. There's always that chance. Um, the OSAA has said that they would like to potentially move state away from Memorial Coliseum. So who knows? Maybe this might be a good opportunity. They've looked into Matthew Knight Arena down in Eugene. A little too pricey for them, although I think that would be a good venue. Um, you start getting into you know some of the other basketball arenas, and it's just really tough. It's got to work with the college basketball schedules, but you know that that's there's a, there's always a possibility there. Who knows? Um, I will say this: if I'm an Oregon team and I'm wanting to take my team out of state, and I feel like there is a really big movement, you know, for teams to want to showcase the amazing work we're doing in Oregon at the national level, um, I would say start looking into NCA, right? I try not to promote one company too much over the other. Certainly, USA is always just such a great fit. The scheduling work seems to work very well with us. It's, you know, it's, it's somewhat close to us being on the West Coast. Uh, but the reality is NCA might be a really good opportunity for those teams that are looking to take on uh, the amazing things we're doing at, at, in the state of Oregon and then showcase them at the national level. So um, I don't know. I may be sensing maybe at conference, and we haven't really talked about this yet, but it might be a great opportunity for NCA to send somebody uh, maybe to do a breakout session on N, uh, NCA score sheets. Who knows? Um Brian K.O., line one. I don't know. Is he available? That would be great. Anyways, I think that's it for news and notes. I do have some other things that I'll bring up in part two of the cheercast that's coming out later this week. Uh, but without any further ado, let's get to our 1 through 5A post-state recap. It's time to enter the film room. All right, the film room is where we're going to have to start out because it's been so long. I took notes um, about all these teams that stayed as I was taking pictures and doing social media that day, but uh, definitely going to look over some film as I'm talking about them. By the way, I also forgot to mention that Beth Sanchez of Portland State University and Varsity Spirit was supposed to be my guest in helping me recap all of this. We had it all worked out. I was going to stay up in Portland an extra night after state. We were going to hammer out the review the next day. We we're going to talk about all the great things we saw. And then, of course, state got delayed. We've already talked about that. But Beth was pre-scheduled for a work trip down in Dallas the next week. So she wasn't even at state. So, uh, you know, I've had Brian Kale on in the past. Um, last year, I had a great chat with Tara Mahoney. And so I thought this year would be great to have Beth Sanchez on. We'll have to make sure we reserve her a spot for next year. But like I said, I I am the real victim here. Okay, so um, although you might make an argument that the listener might be the real victim because it's just going to be me. I'm not going to have anybody to talk to. So at the end of this, you might be a little sick of my voice. But let's start. I have some video pulled up of all the different teams. You know, regarding the one through three division, there is definitely something as I'm looking at all these videos uh, on my iPad right now about state 2019 that I've got to talk about you know something I got to get off my chest and I think I know I, I think you all know where I'm going with this right regarding the one through three division there's just there's just there's kind of an elephant in the room right that we got to talk about how about those sio loggers I mean if that wasn't amazing getting a fifth place trophy and the first ever for their school that was awesome. I've been wanting to talk about that for weeks. So awesome. 
They did such an amazing job. I mean, that moment alone during awards was worth the price of admission. It, I understand when a team thinks they're going to get first or second and then maybe they don't place as high and you're a little bit disappointed and you got to put that smile on your face as you walk up to get a trophy, right? To see the pure joy of a program, a coach, just their parents, when they were announced for, for fifth place, oh my gosh, it just it warmed my heart. I'm telling you, it was priceless. And those are the moments that you just you live for right because those are just it was just pure joy and just elation for them to to take that fifth place trophy those those athletes were so proud the next day at OCCA championships it was it really was awesome you know congrats to the sio loggers i thought that was pretty neat in addition how great were the eagles of cnm christian you know First year coach, you know, Kathy Carley, she did such an amazing job. I mean, it was a it was a total team effort. That, that routine was, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, really, if you look at it, it is so clean. It's so precise. I'm looking at CNEM's um, routine right now. And, and really not a lot of, like, insane difficulty. It certainly, they didn't try to do anything uh, that was out of their realm of, uh, of abilities, right? You know, some teams try to do too much at state. You know, people forget what a legendary program CNEM Christian is. You know, this was their 12th title. Um, I believe that should tie them for the Dallas for second. You know, Springfield, of course, is uh, first all time with 21, and that's gonna be a hard mark for any program to hit. Somebody check me on uh, check me on that though. Okay, leave a comment on in either Facebook or um, on Instagram when I post this. I I have the Dallas as twelve, but they might have thirteen. Either way, CNM Christian is either tied for second or uh, they're in third. I mean, behind two legendary programs, right? Uh, it was just you know it was just awesome to watch. They were, they were the only top five team. Um, in that one through three division that didn't have a deduction. Uh, and it really does give credence to the idea that the first rule of winning, especially at the high school level, and this is for any sport, because I've coached everything from football to wrestling, um, uh, several sports, the first rule of winning at the high school level is don't defeat yourself. You know, I tell my athletes, all the time, you know, whether I'm coaching at the middle school level or the high school level, you know, if you can eliminate the mistakes like Coach Carly did, and you put together a flawless routine and a flawless performance, I mean, you're setting yourself up to be successful. I personally think the whole we hit zero thing is really cheesy, but it is something to truly strive for, right? I think, I mean, it's, it feels very all-star-ish when teams say we hit zero, and that's fine. USA had a huge banner, and teams loved getting their picture with that banner when we were down at Nationals, because you should be proud. When you have zero deductions, um, not only is that a routine you're gonna walk off feeling really good about, but at the same time, you're setting your team up for success, and that's exactly the recipe that Coach Carly uh, followed, and she followed it to a T. You know, and, and really, the other big thing about the 1 through 3 division that we have to talk about is how gracious in defeat Central Lynn was. You know, it is really hard, as I mentioned, when you are a returning champion and you get knocked off like that. You know, it's 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 hard. It's hard to swallow that pill when you heard your name as first one year and then the next year you're, you hear your name or maybe don't, you don't even hear your name at all. You know, but Coach Megan, she's the consummate leader, you know. 
Uh, I've known her forever, you know, way, way back um, when her and I first, you know, started coaching. Uh, and there's just certain people that you you just know do it the right way. And you know she coaches her athletes the right way. Trust me, the Cobra program, it's, it's in good shape. I mean, that they've got this huge youth program that is just there's a fever has been caught uh they're going to just start developing talent they're going to be back right they're going to be in contention i mean for the next decade uh they may not win it every year but you know they're going to be in the mix every year and so coach megan you're not going to win them every year but she's going to put her team in a position to compete for a championship uh, for years to come you know it also needs to be uh, noted when we're talking about the one through th uh, one through three division is just how stacked it is. And I know I've said that uh, a couple times on the Cheercast uh, and in my OSAA write-ups, but honestly, um, it's it's very possible that any of those teams within the top, you know, especially four, could have could have won it on that day. I mean, it really it's it it's gives a lot of credibility. Uh, to that one through three A division, that it's so competitive now that the skills just keep rising, um, and I do feel like a broken record saying that, but it really is. That's a consensus across the coaching world in Oregon is that the one through three A division has never been better than it's been the last couple of years, and it only looks like it's going to keep getting better. You know, um, even teams like you know Yam Hill Carlton, you know, and there's just so many teams in that one through three A division that maybe didn't place or place as high as they would have liked. Uh, but they're they're part of the conversation and they're doing really great things. All right, I think that pretty much covers it for the one through three division. Let me take a quick break and then when we come back, um, let's do a quick debrief on the four A division. Hey seniors, do you want to cheer and represent your high school one last time? Applications for the annual Les Schwab and Shrine Bowls are now available on the OCCA website. Cheer with the very best graduating seniors from around the state. Make new friends and experience something that many people say was the very best way to finish their high school career. Just remember, packets are due April 1st, so head over to the OCCA website now to download your application. The 4A division really is a neat story. I'm telling you, it is not easy to get the first draw at any competition, let alone the morning session at state. I mean, I'm not even sure if the heat was on yet at Memorial Coliseum when Sweet Home took the floor, and their performance was unreal. I mean, honestly, um, if you want to know who I am voting for for Coach of the Year, it's Coach Amber of Sweet Home. I hope that's not the kiss of death, but uh, I think she is just so deserving. So many coaches out there are worthy of getting Coach of the Year this year. There's just been so much like awesome like just examples of great coaching. Um, but I really am, especially the longer I get to know her, I am so impressed with what she's done at Sweet Home. You know. Certainly, it has to be noted that this was the first year ever that Sweet Home hosted a competition, and it was run flawlessly, right? If you're, account, if you're taking into account, like, the entire picture, not just how a team places at state, you know, usually those, like, pre-winter break competitions, you know, they either get canceled or they're kind of a hot mess. And, and that's not to any fault of, you know, 
usually the people running it. It's just every, I mean, the judges are trying to get, you know, their, their stuff figured out. Um, you know, teams are adding last second, pulling out last second, especially those pre-winter break competitions. You know, you oftentimes have the new judges that are, are trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And so um, for her to put on an amazing pre-winter break competition, like just shows that not only does she know how to coach, well-organized, uh, obviously has great parent and athlete buy-in to be able to put on an event like that. So I just, the more and more, the longer I get to know Coach Amber, just the more impressed I am with her. You know, in addition, Coach Amber is just so classy, you know. Rather than complaining about the first draw at 9 a.m., you know, she made no excuses. And in fact, I heard her talking to her athletes and she totally turned it into a positive. Uh, you know, I overheard her saying that she said, hey, we're going first. We get to set the bar for the rest of the division. And then we get to watch everybody else go. And we just get to relax. I mean, that's what great great coaches do, right? I, the reality is, you know, if you coach long enough, you know you're going to have some good breaks and bad breaks, right? It's just that's how it works, right? You're going to get good draws at state or sometimes you'll get bad draws, right? Um, you know, remember a couple years ago, you know, speaking of just like, her being classy, and I just thought about this. Remember a couple of years ago when they had that music mishap at State? You know, so heartbreaking, you know, especially because I think that was also the year they had maybe a kiddo in the hospital, you know, and they had this music mishap, ended up knocking them down from either, I, I believe it, they would have been first, but it knocked them out. Certainly, I think it knocked them out of the top three, if I remember right. I'd have to try to visualize the, the, the placings in my head, you know, and how did, how did Coach Amber handle it? with absolute class. You know, I've never once, you know, oftentimes in the moment coaches may say the right thing. I've never once over the years heard her say anything. Never once said boo publicly. Never once has said anything negative after the fact. You know, and I'm sure there were tears, right? There, were, there certainly were tears. Uh, but in the moment and ever since then, she had nothing but praise for the team that won. I'm trying to, who was that? Oh, Klamath. That was, I had 2015, right? That had to have been Klamath that won, you know? Sweet Home Places, fourth at USA Nationals, their first time going. So awesome. You know, I just, it's, Sweet Home is one of those programs, like I said, with Central Lynn, right? They're not going to win it every year, but as long as Coach Amber's there, they're going to be in the conversation, right? It's just, you just know, like, they're going to, she's going to put them in a position to be successful every year. I think that's why so many people just root for Sweet Home year in, year out. You know, the kids, the coaches, Really, everything is just a class act, you know. That being said, this was definitely Newport's year, right? When you talk about that 4A division, that routine by the Cubs was mesmerizing, honestly. It, the, and I said this in the last cheer cast, and I really did mean it. I mean, this Newport team is loaded with stars. And while I really do think, you know, Sweet Home – you know, could have easily pulled off a first, you know, uh, it didn't, it wouldn't have taken a lot for maybe to turn the tides a little bit. I mean, the, the reality was, I don't know if Sweet Home going first or in the middle of the pack was going to truly make a difference. Uh, the way that Newport Port performed, it, I mean, it was a performance of the ages for that 4A division. It was awesome. And, you know, I've been on the Newport bandwagon all the way going back to Allstate, right, way back in November. You know, stunting-wise, they put on a show at Allstate that you could see was going to translate uh, to competition season, the team, you know, during the team season, right? I 
I could see it during Allstate that it wasn't just one group that was loaded with talent uh, for Newport. There were multiple groups. I mean, they 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 had the record uh, in terms of not all-time record, but the record this year for they had the most medals at Allstate, right? Which shows you when a team can do that, that they're a complete package, right? Because it's not like they have one group that's loaded with, you know, stars and they get first or second in the stunting division, right? And then those same couple kids get medals. When you're winning the most most medals overall um, at Allstate, right? That tells you that you've got talent top to bottom on your team. All I got to say is that that building score sheet um, was where Newport really just like stole the show. And the way that I look at it is like, if you got a Ferrari, right? Like you don't leave that baby sitting in the garage, right? <laughs> you got to take that baby for a spin, right? You got to play to your strengths, right? So Newport did that. Their, their stunting was just awesome. I mean, they had solid tumbling. Their choreography was solid as well, but really it was their stunting that stole the show. Um, so hats off to Newport. Uh, super excited to see that rivalry develop. Uh, also, some other really good teams, you know, within that division. Gladstone really impressed me. Um, I just I think that 4A division, much like that one through three division, it used to just be you would get one or two teams, and now you're starting to see more and more teams. Um, Ontario. Um, would they get a fifth place? I mean, how awesome was, I mean, they get the miles award for traveling, you know, all the way across the state, basically from Idaho. So, um, hats off to, to Newport and to Sweet Home, but really great job by all the teams in that 4A division. All right, one last break, and then we're going to finish up this episode of the Cheercast with the 5A division. Hey, coaches. Have you registered for the annual OCCA Coaches Conference? We are just over a month away, and this year's theme is Explore Your Skills with the OCCA. This year's event returns to the amazing Salem Convention Center. So get registered now, because this is surely an event you won't want to miss. Visit us online at OCCA.net, click the More tab, and select Special Events. All right, moving on to the 5A division. South Albany won their fourth straight championship. And I think that does it for the cheer cast. Okay, well, I'll see you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, someday I'm going to do a trivia edition of the cheer cast, maybe like in the summertime when you, you know, you're looking for content and looking for something fun to do. And I'll have to do like a fun trivia question, just like ask, you know, random questions. Maybe I could do it live and have people call in, which would be really fun. But one of the questions I will have to ask is something like this. What team won their fourth title when they won their first championship? The answer, the Red Hawks of South Albany. If there is a program that is way underappreciated in our state, it has to be South Albany. Longest active championship winning streak. You know, they're not going to blow you away in one category, you know, whether it be, you know, building, whether it be tumbling, whether it be choreography, but they're going to beat you across the board. And that's what's amazing about South Albany, right? Like, they're just so solid in every facet of cheer. They're just, they're so hard to beat. You know, I remember way back, way back in the day when I used to coach football at Crescent Valley. And I went to a coaches conference for football, and I got to meet legendary football coach Pete Carroll at this conference. It was like awesome. I was like, like just awestruck, right? And 
I remember he said something that I'll never forget, and it applies to all facets of coaching and just athletics and really just life. He said, the secret to a long career in anything is never let your highs get too high and your lows be too low, right? And that just makes sense, right? You know, if you think about it, that's that's South Albany. I mean, they've got the the quintessential like workmanlike mentality, right? Um, Coach Courtney's just instilled that like into all of our athletes. They celebrate, but they never gloat, right? They never get too down on themselves when they do lose a local competition, which is even that's very rare, right? I mean, they're like the true American success story, right? You know, they show up every day, they put on their work boots, they strap it up, they put on their hard hats, and they just kick ass. Uh, Honestly, I think I might have to offer to do like a photo shoot with South Albany sometime. Maybe I can get them all like in their uniforms with hard hats and we can have like the new gym they're building at their school like in the background. You know, I just, I don't know, that'd be sick. I just think it would be so fitting for, you know, South Albany. Uh, Only team in 2019 to finish the season undefeated. I mean, kudos to them. Um, you know, I'd, I'd also be remiss, though, when I'm talking about the 5A division, if I didn't talk about the rise of West Albany and Ridgeview. You know, I'm in love with what's going on at West Albany. You know, so many positive things. Um, I got to work with a couple of their graduating uh, seniors last year at the Les Schwab Bowl, uh, McKenna and Bree, and I just adore everything positive that's going on in the Bulldogs program. That was a really just, like, fun routine, and you can see the blueprint for a successful program going forward. You know, if they can keep the energy going, um, I think that they're they're very excited to be back in that in that 5A division. Um, I being 6A for a couple of years, I mean that is just so tough. They were one of the smallest 6A schools out there. And it's just you can just tell they were overmatched. And not I'm not talking about cheer necessarily. I'm just talking about across the board in their sports. And and I know that because Thurston was there. We were a 5A team that just barely got bumped up to 6A. And across the board, it was just sad times at Thurston High School across our sports programs. And it it was very refreshing for us to get bumped down, you know, moved back down to 5A. And I think the same is true for West Albany. You can just see like the, the, the whole school has been re-energized. Uh, and they know that they can compete now at the 5A level. And, and they showed that. Cheer-wise, they definitely showed that. You know, finally, to, you know, to wrap up the, the 5A division, I've got to talk about the Ravens of Ridgeview. You know, and, and, and for the record, I try not to brag too much. But I got a drop and I told you so on this one. Now, now for full disclosure, um, I got to meet a bunch of those girls earlier in the year at the Cottage Grove competition. And they were super sweet to my sons. They were super good. You know, I look over at one point during the competition and my one-year-old Lincoln, who really doesn't like anybody except for dad, and I'm not kidding about that, right? He was in the laps of these Ridgeview girls. Uh, you know, my guy Mason, my five-year-old, most of you know him. He's got no fear. I mean, I think at State at one point I was, like, looking at the camera uh, trying to, you know, make sure I had enough memory on my, on my, on my you know, my flash drive uh, for the next team. And I look over, and Mason in between teams is literally dancing in the middle of the mat. He's trying to steal the show. Lincoln, not so much. Lincoln is definitely my introvert. Uh, however, he loved those Ridgeview girls. He was sitting in their laps. I mean, you can tell he's got a, he's got a good judge for character. Um, and that told me right there that this must be a good group, right? Um, 
I really just love everything that's going on with that Ravens program. You know, I, I, I saw them early in the year, and you could just see that they had something special going on. I mean, I think they, they're the reason why Central Oregon is becoming so much stronger in cheer, right? That Ridgeview program really kind of re-energized that whole Central Oregon, like just region. And now you're seeing Bend and Mountain View and you're seeing teams that, you know, kind of compete sometimes or some teams that hadn't competed in years. And you're seeing them get back on the mat, which is just awesome to see. And so uh, I really like that Ridgeview routine. But more than anything, I just liked what they're doing at Ridgeview because you can tell, and I said this uh, in a previous podcast, I think they're about a year away from being a potentially dominant team. We'll see if that happens. But certainly the writing is on the wall that they're going to be a force to reckon with. Good coaching, good athletes, good energy. Um, But across the board, that 5A division really was a fun division. Um, South Albany, hats off to you uh, and just what you're able to do over this four-year period and what you're probably going to keep doing going forward. But there is definitely some very healthy competition within that 5A division that makes it very intriguing. Okay, I think that's going to be it for our our, our part one of our post-date recap. Uh, I'm looking at the clock now, though, and I do have time for an email. I have a two-part email that maybe what I'll do is I'll break up into two parts. Um, And so I'll do part one today, and then I'll do the second part very fittingly with um, part two of the cheercast that I'm going to put out in a couple days from now. So let's get to that email real quick. Our first email, and again, this is going to be a two-part question, uh, comes from Coach Jay, who asks, Hey, Coach James, I've been coaching for 20 years. And I'm wondering, what made you finally decide to get out of coaching? How did you know when you were ready to step away? I really like that question, and I think you're going to really be intrigued by part two of that that we'll answer in a couple days. But I've talked to a lot of coaches about this. Honestly, I didn't think I would ever stop coaching until I had Mason. I mean, I just thought I was going to be a lifer, and I still might go back. I, I, I definitely would like to go back, but... When Mason was born, I I teach with this guy named Tyler Nice, who a lot of people know. He's one of my role models. He's our department head at Thurston High School. And, you know, a lot of people around the state just know him in a lot of different, like, capacities. But when Mason was born, he said something. He said, James, you know, I used to coach volleyball, but I stopped as soon as my sons were born. And I've never once said, man, I really wish I was with other people's children and not my own. He said, but I guarantee, though, you would say the opposite if you continue coaching, that you would be upset that you're not spending time with your kids as you're spending time with other people's kids. And that one statement changed the entire trajectory of my career. I mean, really, I really did think I would coach until I was late 50s, 60s, maybe even 70s. Um, But it got me thinking. And you know, I started asking other coaches and other sports that I really respect, and I probably asked, you know, somewhere between five or ten other coaches, uh, and I, you know, I would ask them, what, you know, when do you know it's time? Like, when, when do you know it's time to step away? When do you know it's time to take time off? And you see, my first couple of years coaching with Mason uh, when he was first born, you know, I 
was in that situation. I, 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 I remember it vividly that every time I was in that situation, I would think back to what my friend Tyler and I said. You know, anytime I was with an angry parent, anytime I was with an unappreciative kid, and then I would go home that night and I didn't get to see Mason because he was already in bed, right? And I just started thinking that, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to have these opportunities again with my own kids. And so I need to step away as much as I'm still loving coaching. And as much as those kids can sometimes be a pain in the rear when they're not appreciative or those parents can really grind those gears, uh, you still love what you're doing and you you love the program you're you're you're, you know you're 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 working with you love the kids that you're helping mold um but i knew for me that it was time at that point to step away now for some people maybe it's not about kids maybe it's about spending time with a spouse or maybe an aging parent um who you don't know how many how many years you're going to have left with them right uh, sometimes it's just about self-care that coaches need to step away because they need time to work out or they need time to be able to really focus on their job because they're, you know, their full-time job, they're looking to get a promotion or maybe they're looking to go back to school. But honestly, it's, it's, it really is about being honest with oneself. Uh, and that's going to be different for every coach. You know, that the one thing I can say, the biggest advice that I can give, though, regarding if you're thinking about stepping away, whether it's for, for a short period of time or you're thinking maybe I, I, I've run my course, you know, I, I, the, 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 the arc of my coaching career that I'm on the downhill slide, right? Um, I knew um, that it was time to step away. And the hardest thing um, for me was my fear of letting kids down, right? And so in January of 2016, I made the decision that I was gonna step away. Now, obviously I finished that year out, um, but I went to my wife, Katie, and I said, Katie, I need you to do me a favor. Do not let me back out of this decision. Um, and I say that because it is so easy to convince yourself to come back for another year. Um, if you win state, right, you got to come back for another one. You can't, you know, obviously if you won state, there's probably still more talent in your program, right? You got to come back, right? Or if you don't win state and you don't finish first or you don't, maybe you don't even medal, right? Well, then there's that, there's that essence of like, I want to write the ship. I want to, I want to, want to get the program back to a good place, right? I can't end on a, on a sour note, right? Um, you know, the absolute hardest though is the kids right and more coaches more than winning or losing coaches will come back because i want to see this group of kids graduate you can't do that and, and the reason why is because when i stepped away um, a lot of you remember greg gillespie and evan thomas that was before their senior year now in an ideal situation i get to coach them because those are two kids that i absolutely adore and two of my favorite athletes that i've ever coached right the problem is if I coach them through their senior year, you know you're going to build bonds with other kids, right? You can't just coach the seniors. And so you can't just say, I'm going to coach until these, kid, these kids graduate because the next year there's going to be more kids and there's going to be other parents that you form an attachment with that you really love this family and they've got a younger sibling and you want to coach you know, the younger kids in that family. So that's where I see a lot of coaches hang on longer than they should. I would say most coaches know when it's time. A lot of coaches, though, don't know how to get out, um, if that makes sense. 
Um, so you, when you finally decide it's time to go, you gotta have someone that's willing to help you and sometimes just say, Hey, remember we talked about this, right? You've talked about this saying that you're not, you're not in a position to coach anymore because it's easy to come back, to try to win another one. It's easy to come back and try to write the ship. If you didn't finish the year, how you thought you should have, it's really easy to come back for another year because you love those seniors. But when it's time to go, it's time to go. Now, second part of this question, and I'll deal with that in part two of the podcast, is going to deal with life after coaching. That is something people have asked me a lot about, um, especially people that have tried to get away for a little while, coaches that have tried to get away permanently. What what do you do after coaching, um, whether it's completely remove yourself or how do you stay involved? I think that'll be a question that people will really like. All right. Good thing I broke this into two episodes. It's not quite as long as a full podcast episode, uh, but if I had done um, all the divisions, we'd be going like 90 minutes. So how'd I do? Uh, I hope I gave everyone some good discussion info. I mean, obviously, I'd like to talk about every team that placed, every team that went to nationals, uh, but that's just not realistic. Um, I think you'll like um, what I have to say about the 6A, the small co-ed, and the large co-ed teams. Um, maybe I'll also do a rapid fire, um, like email and, uh, 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 um, uh, tweets because I definitely have a lot of questions I've been building up. So do me a favor before the next episode of the Cheercast comes out. If you're listening on SoundCloud, give me a heart. Uh, so my producers know that you like this episode. And if you're listening on iTunes, those four and five star reviews are really like helpful. Um, what they do is they help put the cheer cast uh, at the top of the queue when people search. And so if you want to give me a written review, that's always really good. But those four and five star reviews are really nice because then when people are looking up genres of different types of uh, podcasts, if you give me a four, star, four or five star review, that helps put the cheer cast at the very top. Um, stay tuned for the second part of this. Uh, Thurston is in the OSWA basketball tournament, so I'm going to be up in Corvallis the next couple nights. But in between, I'm going to try to finish recording part two of, uh, of this uh, post-state recap. And um, yeah, look for the next episode in the next couple days. Until then, have fun, and I'll see you soon. The Cheercast with Coach James Underwood online at OCCA.net and on Twitter at ORCheerCoaches.